Open the Word of God with me to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. One of the shortest, simplest, clearest, concise statements about the history, nature of this world and the nature and history and logical basis for salvation. One of the best chapters to consider before the Lord's Supper. It is full of truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to read first verses 12 through 14 and verses 18 and 19. You should recognize and remember that there is a parenthesis that opens verse 13 and closes out verse 17. A parenthetical matter like that in English grammar may be ignored while you connect verse 12 to verse 18 to get the apostles' logical argument. What is in verses 13 through 17 is extra explanatory material, but I want the first couple verses. I read 12 through 14, then 18 and 19, and we will come back to 15, 16, and 17. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Verse 18, Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Amen. Amen and amen. Let God bless the reading of his word by his spirit. The doctrine before us in Romans 5, verses 12 through 19, should bring men to their knees to beg for mercy. God, as potter, created rational creatures, that is, thinking, choosing beings, and requires them to deal with him. Think of the sovereignty. God, as potter, created rational creatures, and requires them to deal with him. I love this God. God gave you existence without asking you whether you wanted existence and the terms of it or the ability to turn it off because you cannot even turn off your existence. He gave it to you without asking. He is God. He is the potter and you are the clay. 
God made from the human lump of clay vessels of mercy and vessels of wrath, determined beforehand either to glory or to destruction. He is God. God, as sovereign judge, imputes the sin of one man to all and the righteousness of one other man to his chosen elect. The doctrine of imputation should bring us to our knees. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Atonement is the capstone of Paul's run from verse 6 to verse 11. In verse 11, you can tell it's the capstone by the words, and not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. We have been put at one with God again. We were at one with God in the Garden of Eden in our first father, but he destroyed that. Paul explained this ruined relationship by Adam's sin in verses 12 through 19. Verse 12 continues in verse 18. So I want to read those two verses together. Verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. These verses teach the doctrine that is called imputation, which means to apply or account or charge or count or reckon the action of one to a plurality of others. In this case, it's the human race. Subject to Adam's sin, we all sinned by eating the fruit off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It is that simple. We all sinned. It's also called the doctrine of representation by some. It's called federal headship by others. It's called original sin by others. Depending on how you want to look at the passage, it is the original sin, but it's also the sin that we're all guilty of. Wherefore, therefore, this doctrine exalts the sovereignty of God highly. Verse 12 goes to verse 18, and verse 18 ends with a period. We could read verse 19, but the two of those together, leaving out the parentheses, tell us that it's one man's sin that condemned the entirety of our race to death and to condemnation. And it's the obedience and righteousness of one that saves the elect of God. Let's look briefly at verse 12. Verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, 
for that all have sinned. One man caused death by sin for all and for all. Look at the verse. One man. Death passed on all men. All men have sinned. How have all men sinned? In Romans 5. They've all sinned by eating the fruit off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in their head, Adam, their first father. If you want man sinning, then go to Romans 3, where it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But I hope that you're smart enough to recognize that there is a demonstrative pronoun that missing in Romans 3.23. So that in Romans 3.23, it says, for all have sinned. Here it says, for that all have sinned. And that is a demonstrative pronoun pointing out something that has been described in the verse. And that is one man's sin, Adam. We have all sinned in that one man. That is why we all die And that is why verses 13 and 14 go on to explain we do not need any other law with a death penalty attached because we have already violated a law with a death penalty attached. And for 2,500 years, there was not a law like there was given to Adam. And yet men died. Yea, rather, death reigned for 2,500 years. Imputation, let me say it again, is one man's actions or action, singular, being accounted, applied, charged, counted, judged to others. If you do not think it fair, you arrogantly reject it existing all around you by your ignorance. If you do not think it fair, your life, your body, your hair color, your schooling, your nation of origin, your education, all of it is by the action of others. You are just ignorant, rebellious, and wicked if you think it not fair. Because fathers and mothers, grandfathers and grandmothers have determined your place in life. Presidents have determined the case of your nation. Congress and a Supreme Court has determined the laws of your nation and the privileges thereof. You are affected by others all around you, and you don't question that because you assume it is fair. If you do not think it fair, you arrogantly reject Adam was your superior in any way you want to measure yourself. And we do not have time to elaborate on how he was your superior and greatly your superior by every way that a man can be measured. By every way that a situation can be measured. He only had one commandment to keep. You have many. He did not have a depraved heart. You do. And on and on we could go. If you do not think it fair, you arrogantly, proudly are stupid and want to argue against your creator. Don't do it. If you do not think it fair, 
you arrogantly reject God as potter by your ethical imagination. You think you understand ethics and fairness and justice, but you're barking against God who only knows those things. Look at verse 12 further. I want you to notice those little tiny two-letter adverbs. As and so. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men. As so, that adverb combination in English means in this way, in the as, and in the so, in that way specified. As one man sinned, so in the way specified by one, all men died. For that, in what was specified and described, all have sinned by having sinned with Adam. This passage is terrible. This passage is glorious, depending on how you want to look at it and how we'll see it by the time we get to the end of it. Death is the wages of sin, and Adam was told this consequence very carefully in Genesis 2.17. Thou mayest freely eat of all the trees of the garden, but in the day that thou eatest of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt surely die. He died, we died, we will die, we have died, and all three forms of death come upon all men. The horror and the value of this doctrinal mystery is far-reaching. It's unknown to the world. I tried to write you yesterday in the preparatory email. I hope that you might have taken a tithe of the time I put into writing it for you. It doesn't really matter to me very much. I just happen to be the ambassador of the potter that you're going to meet as soon as Adam's clutches choke the last breath out of your lungs. You'll meet him, and I hope that you will take the time to read a little tiny bit and tie the effort put forth by your pastor to remind you of the far-reaching effects of Adam's sin and the doctrine of imputation. It affects every course in school. You say, what about auto mechanics? Why do we need auto mechanics? To repair something that is corrupting. Why is it corrupting? Because one man's sin in the Garden of Eden brought a curse on the universe. Every field of study. You cannot add to longevity. Everyone wants to make such an effort to add to longevity with exercise, with nutrition, with alternative medicine, with traditional medicine. Sorry, the cause of death is sin. It is not lack of exercise, poor nutrition, or poor medicine, or bad medicine. Right. It's sin. Amen. And so death passed upon all men as a judgment from God for the sin of Adam. This is unknown to the world. Our children, if established in this doctrine, have an automatic head start and leverage over anyone in any field of study. Because there is so much more to life than what they think is life. Biology, biology. This is biology. 
There is built-in death in the human body. They can't find it. They don't know about it. But it's from God. And it's because of Adam. Death is the ugliest thing you have seen. Hell is out of your sight. I said death is the ugliest thing you have seen. Adam gave it to you. I have pages of evidence to help you understand the demonstrative pronoun that in the last clause of this verse, if you need the help. When it says, for that all have sinned, it is referring you back to what has already been stated, all have sinned by Adam's one sin in the Garden of Eden. If you took away the little adverb as, and you took away the little adverb so, and you took away the demonstrative pronoun that, you might deny the doctrine if you only had verse 12. But you don't only have verse 12. You've got 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19, and I'm not wasting breath. God wasted ink in Paul's quill pen to write all those verses to you so that if you tried to corrupt one, you've got to deal with the next one. And remember, if you try to corrupt 12, the next verse you have to go to in the court and tribunal of Almighty God is verse 18. So let's go there and see Paul draw a conclusion from 12. Because therefore is drawing a conclusion from 12. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. There's that little adverb, as again. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. So by the obedience of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. As so, in verse 18, drawing a conclusion, one man offended singularly, one offense, all men are condemned to, by judgment of God because of Adam's sin. So, by the righteousness of one man, the free gift came upon all men into justification of life. Someone wants to raise their hand desperately, but you left out another adverb. Pastor, you left out even. Right. I left out even to get your attention. Mm -hmm. Because even just magnifies so. Right. As, in verse 18, by the offense of one, even so. Precisely, exactly, this is how it happens, right. is what even so means. In case you don't like as so, or you were looking at a cute little girl in third grade when you learned about these little adverbs, we have even to get your attention that even so, exactly this way, is how we're given the gift of eternal life, just like we were condemned by the judgment of God for Adam's sin. Verse 13. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. For until the law, the law in the fourth word of verse 13 is Moses' law, which came on Mount Sinai and at other times and places around Mount Sinai and occurred 2,500 years after creation. 
1,500 years approximately B.C. Because the Old Testament period is 4,000 years long. We are young earth creationists if you didn't know already. The earth is only 6,000 years old. And 2,500 years of it is called the patriarchal dispensation or the time from of Adam and Methuselah and Enoch and Abraham and others. Those patriarchs were their own priests. They made their own altars. They offered sacrifices to God. They didn't have the law of Moses. And that's the way it was for 2,500 years. And verse 13 is telling us, for until the law, until the law of Moses, uh, in other words, For 2,500 years, sin was in the world. How do you know sin was in the world? Because everybody was dying. That's how you knew sin was in the world. Because verse 14 tells us that is the argument that he's making. We're just trying to stick with verse 13 at the moment. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Before the law of Moses, sin existed for 2,500 years because men of all ages, men of all kinds died. But God does not impute sin for death unless there is a law given with death as the sentence. I hope you can follow this. God does not charge men with a death penalty unless he has given them a law that by breaking such, they deserve death. And most men that lived for those 2,500 years had no law with a death penalty attached. They were waiting for Moses. And then he attached the death penalty for a whole lot of things. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Jews were trusting in. And at all times in the book of Romans, you need to remember that Paul's effort was against Jewish legalists. And so keep that in the back of your mind. He is pointing out to them, before there was the law of Moses, don't think that the law of Moses is the only relationship that God has with men. Because for 2,500 years before Moses gave his law, men were dying that had never seen, heard of, or imagined the law of Moses. And the corollary is this. If they kept the law of Moses perfectly, it wouldn't matter. Because they had already broken a law that had a death penalty attached. It was Adam's law. In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. God does not impute sin for death unless there is a law given with death as a sentence. Adam had such a law given with death attached. Moses gave laws with death attached. And this crushes the Jewish legalists. This is the the Apostle Paul in glory. By inspiration, taking the Jews back to Abraham in chapter 4, taking them back to Adam in chapter 5, to show them that there was condemnation before the law of Moses, and there was salvation before the law of Moses, because Abraham had righteousness imputed to him for his faith. For 2,500 years, there were not laws given with death attached, but all men died because they were guilty of breaking a law with death attached because they broke it in Adam. That is the argument. Verse 14, nevertheless, even though for 2,500 years, There were not laws given with death attached upon the majority of the human race. You say, why are you making an exception? Well, because there might have been a murderer here or there. There might have been a hundred murderers here or there. And Genesis 9 and verse 6 says, Whoso sheddeth man's blood by man shall his blood be shed. But as far as a system of codified laws that required death from God, 
to men like Adam had, other men didn't have such a set of laws that he had made so clear to Adam. And here's the argument in verse 14. If you didn't get it in verse 13, and 13 is more obscure than 14. Nevertheless, in spite of the fact that sin can't be imputed unless there's a law, yet everyone was dying, it says, nevertheless, death reigned. Death was reigning. And I want you to remember the name for death in Job chapter 18 and verse 14. The king of terrors. And that's a good name for it. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Notice that most men, the majority, it can just be assumed that for that dispensation, men did not have commandments like Adam had. Specific commandment, do this, you're guilty of death. And yet they died. Death reigned over all men. Someone that doesn't like the doctrine of imputation will say, well, they didn't have that commandment, but they had creation. Sorry, you're four chapters too late. That was chapter one. They'll say, providence, you're four chapters too late. Nature, you're four chapters too late. Conscience, you're four chapters too late, three chapters too late, because that's Romans chapter two. Paul is not introducing or expecting you to pull things out of chapter 1 and chapter 2 to try to make sense out of Romans chapter 5, he has moved to an entirely different argument, and that different argument is imputation of Adam's sin. He already covered the others and were condemned by them, but he is adding to our condemnation to shut Jewish legalists down entirely and to give us a wonderful passage of scripture for April 7th, 2019 for the Lord's table. Nevertheless, in spite of the fact that there wasn't a law yet with death attached to it, men died because they were guilty of the sin of Adam from verse 12. Death reigned even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. They didn't have a law set up for them like Adam had set up for him, yet they died anyway. And it says, who is the figure of him that was to come. Adam was a figure of Jesus Christ. And so, see, right here, we, we are, we're told enough information that you shouldn't want to be barking against this passage or against its doctrine. To the degree that you fight against Adam being our representative and his sin being imputed to us, you fight against Jesus Christ being your Savior and his righteousness being imputed to you. If you think it's Adam introduced sin, men saw this new thing called sin, and because they did it, they died for them doing it. That's how they want to interpret verse 12. Then here's the corollary. Jesus Christ introduced an example of righteousness, and all you have to do is follow it and participate in it, and you can earn your own way to heaven. Never. And it's all plain if you'll read it. This is the longest chapter outline I have ever prepared. Today's sermon will not be the longest. I love this chapter. And I thank my father again. And I know I said it last week. I still have a few wits together. I thank him for teaching me Romans 5.12 when I was five years old. 
or four years old to know that verse. I thank the Lord for that. We have solidly established the doctrine of imputation. Look at verse 18, as by, even so. Verse 19, as by, and so by. In verses 18 and 19, they're perfect corollaries with verses 12 through 14. They match up perfectly. They're great cross-references. They complete the argument. They complete the thought. There is no inconsistency in there whatsoever. There is no introduction of creation, providence, nature, or conscience, or revelation. This is all by a transaction between God and Adam. Because it's going to be all by a transaction between God and his son, Jesus Christ. That will save us. So there's a great figure. Look at the last word, the last words of verse 14. Verse 14, the last words. Who is the figure of him that was to come? Adam was a picture of someone that was to come. Now, if you look ahead at verse 15, you can figure out who it was that was to come. We already know, but if you look ahead at verse 15, it's Jesus Christ. Adam was a perfect picture. Adam was a representation. Adam showed us Jesus Christ. Adam showed us the doctrine of imputation and, how, and for us to understand how we're saved. Do you know how powerful this is theologically? You know, I picked on auto mechanics a minute ago. I picked on biology. But what about theology? Just think about the character of God that is revealed by the doctrine of imputation. Soteriology, the doctrine of salvation. Think about how it's impacted right here. The law of condemnation in this universe does not matter if you have heard about Adam or if you like the concept of imputation or if you hate the Christian religion. It doesn't matter. You die just as quickly, except you get a third one for good measure. And it's called the second death. Why is it called the second death and not the third death? Because it's the second one involving the body. Because your body is cast into the lake of fire. There's three deaths. You say, prove it to me again. I don't have time, but I'll do it anyway for you. I, no one in this congregation should ask that unless you're three or under. In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So a death took place in Adam's spirit. Right. His body didn't die for 930 years. And unless God has done something that is contrary to his Bible, Adam's in the lake of fire and he has died the third time. There's no evidence that Adam was ever saved. He's the example of sin, condemnation, and death, not of salvation at any point, anywhere. There's the three deaths. There's the figure. Look at those last words of 14, who is the figure of him that was to come. There are some very good similarities between Adam and Jesus Christ. And I'm saying that right now because I want you to see that. It's in verses 18 and 19, and it's in verses 12 through 14. There is High correlation between Adam and Jesus Christ. But for three verses, the apostle wants to point out some dissimilarities, Amen. some differences. Amen. And the differences he wants to point out just exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. So I want you to see that if we read from 12 to 18, or if we read 12 through 14, then 18 and 19, we see that Adam is indeed a picture or a figure of Jesus Christ by showing us how imputation works. Because we don't have to know about Adam, we don't have to believe on Adam, and as it has been said, we do not need to accept Adam as our personal sin representative in order to die. Right. That's right. 
it is applied to us by Almighty God who made that deal with Adam. So let's look at these differences very quickly. We have a lot to do today. And I love this passage. And each of these verses deserves its own hour sermon. But it took me 13 sermons to get through this in 2010. It's going to take me four this time, the Lord willing. Verse 15. Uh, look at the as so. Do you see? There's two sentences in verse 15. Do you see the as so in the first sentence? Right. As the offense, so also is the free gift. But in front of that as, there are two, but not as. So he's just established that Adam is a figure of Jesus Christ, but we've got some differences and we want to get excited about the differences. Amen. First difference is quality. It may be written in your margin from 2010 or from some other time, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more, and this is not a small difference. It's called a much difference. Much more, the grace of God and the gift by grace which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. The quality of Jesus Christ's work for us is far greater than what Adam did. Let's just notice a few quick words to see it. If through the offense of one many be dead, so it's sin. What is, is God a God of sin or is God a God of righteousness? Just pick any words you want here. On, one, on Adam's side, and Jesus is better. The quality is different. Sin is not part of God. Grace is part of God. God hates sin. God loves grace. God loves giving gifts. And so we've got an offense in verse 15, and we've got a free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, how does God kill 70 billion human beings you, you say, Pastor, last time it was 80. And the time before that, it was 50 billion. I don't know how many billion. If you know how many billion, please send it to me. Because I'd like to know how many billion there have been since Adam, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm just taking a wild guess. I hope it's a little bit of education behind it. But uh, they all die. What, what, what gets them all killed? God's justice. Right. God's justice. His desire to punish wrongdoing. Does he do it? Yes. What's it called in the Bible? His strange work. It's, it's called his strange work. He'd rather show, he'd rather be benevolent because he is a benevolent being. If, you, if you're wondering about what I'm saying right now, just step outside on a sunny day and realize that he is sending his sunshine on the evil and the good. He's benevolent. So it's just pure justice. But he has something else in store that he wants to display to the universe, and that's his love and grace and goodness, which is going to be shown in the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we look at verse 15, we first of all compare offense to gift. We compare justice to grace. As we compare these two, through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man instead of Adam, created out of the dust of the earth, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, Jesus Christ, the incarnate God on earth. God manifest in the flesh. So qualitatively, imputation through Jesus Christ is much more 
than the death and condemnation that comes through Adam. So Paul just wants to point out that if God has consistently held up his justice, think how consistently he will be with grace and a gift revealing his character and the man Christ Jesus being the one representing us instead of a little pile of mud that he breathed into its nostrils the breath of life. Quality. Verse 16. And there it is again. As so. Do you see as so in verse 16, the first compound clause? I hope you see it. Verse 16, and not. There it is, a correction again, telling us that there's another difference. And this is a quantity difference. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. One man, one sin, eating the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But, but... The free gift is of many offenses unto justification. Adam's whole system was based on one little sin. Jesus Christ's system of salvation and grace by God is all of our sins. All of the sins of all of God's elect. God has invested his son to take care of all the sins of all of God's elect. Do you think he might bring that to bear? if he brought to bear one sin of one man that wasn't Jesus Christ. Indeed. And so there's a difference. And it just keeps exalting the one that was to come, who already has come 2,000 years ago. We come to verse 17, where it is, verse 15 was quality, verse 16 was quantity. And you, if you want help, some words that might help, it is reigning power for verse 17, or authority. Reigning power is authority. It's whatever rings your bell this morning. Here's verse 17. For if by one man's offense, Adam being the figure of him that was to come, for if by one man's offense, death reigned, it had authority. It reigned. It had reigning power given to it by God. Sin had reigning power by Adam much more. These are not slight differences that the apostle is making, or he wouldn't be using these words much more. They which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. If there was authority that was derived from some mud with air in its nostrils and one sin... How much more authority and reigning power is there when it is the Son of God Himself and the gift by grace and His perfect and pure righteousness worked out in His life and on the cross of Calvary? Is there reigning power? There isn't a chance you can be lost. Are these verses that you want read at your bedside? Send me a text. I'll be ready to read them to you at your bedside. The reigning power. Because I'm going to be in a room with you where there's reigning power. And it's going to be the reigning power of death. But we're also going to have the reigning power of Jesus Christ from the pages of Scripture. Do you have faith? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And this is how we get our faith built up to be able to face death right here. Reigning power. The authority of the Son of God versus that Son of God. And there's no comparison. God manifest in the flesh is the Lord Jesus Christ. If 
By one man's offense, death reigned by one. And it reigned, remember back there in 14? Nevertheless, death reigned. Death was in charge. Death was in control. The devil knew it because God had promised. But Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. And what was the work of the devil? Lying to our first mother who tempted our first father with her navel and got him to make a choice that he didn't want to lose that navel. He'd rather lose God than lose his wife. And so it rains. But Jesus has destroyed the work of the devil by dying on the cross, taking death right in his face, and going right through that curtain of death, and he reigns at the right hand of God. We could add so much to this text, but now righteousness reigns, and the gift of eternal life reigns by the work of one man, Jesus Christ. So it's the reigning power. He's undoing what he said in verse 14, death reigned. That reigning power, the king of terrors, is no longer a king. He's a slave. And we can mock him. O death, where is thy sting? No one in the universe, no one in this earth can make fun of death unless they know about this passage of Scripture and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can mock death, we can mock the grave. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? You're our slave now through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you all believe that yet? We are going to celebrate him that fulfilled the figure by Adam at the Lord's table today. That is our purpose today, is to celebrate and to remember what he did for us on the cross of Calvary. And so we've come to verse 18. Look at that word, received, in the middle of verse 17. I am not going to work that point right now. I've done it before. There are two ways that you can receive something. If you receive 40 stripes, save one, I need to know how much you invited that into your heart. Will you help me? None. You didn't want a single one of those 39 stripes. There are two ways to receive something. You receive it passively or you receive it actively. And the word received in the Bible is generally for receiving something passively, not actively. It's been abused since Charles Finney. I want to go to verse 18 because of time. Therefore, as by the offense of one... Judgment came upon all men to condemnation. We're outside the parentheses now. There's no more differences that Paul wants to show us. We should be excited with the quality, quantity, and reigning power differences of the two that by which sin and then righteousness were imputed. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. <laughs> 